0: We get it, you're busy. You wanna grow, and we wanna help. You're passionate about your craft because it deeply matters to you. Your faith is important, it's your foundation. At Stay Forth, we coach leaders to avoid burnout, live and lead with clarity, purpose, and from a place of health. We want you to experience long term impact. Welcome to the journey. Friends, we have a special episode for you here today. And it's not just special because of the content we'll share about that. But Jonathan and I are in person. We're doing something that we call an immersion. So we are actually looking up right now at Pikes Peak. Snowy Pikes Peak is a beautiful, crisp, clear day. And we've got a Christmas gift sorts for you. This episode and the next one. But before we talk about today's episode, In the next one, Jonathan, share just a little bit of what these immersions look like when we get together.
1: We are fully immersed in each other's presence for a few days.
0: that's it. It is good. See, because Zoom, I mean, as great as Zoom is, which we have to be, I mean, how many thousands of miles you are away from me normally, but this is where we produce some of our best stuff together. Right. Yeah, we get together for, you know, three
1: days, at least once, hopefully twice a year. And we dive in, we prep hard before we show up and we have an agenda list that we attack. And it's usually a year from a 20,000 foot view down to about seven-ish months of just strategic projects that are we're going to attack and you know invest in, dive deep into, and things that we want to deliver to continue helping you guys. Yeah,
0: we've got great stuff for you next year. We're not going to go into detail on it. Um, However, the next episode, we are going to share three major advances um, that we're taking so we can serve you guys better. Remember, we are a coaching organization, and we come from a unique perspective. And so as I interview guests, know that I'm not just thinking as a content creator, how do we create the best podcast possible? I'm thinking, how do we nourish and nurture you guys as listeners, but also many of you are coaching clients of ours who've gone through our group programs or one-on-one coaching. So the beauty of that is that we are pulling some of the best stuff out. That's what we're doing today. This is a highlight reel of sorts. I mean, it's been like an all-star game, and essentially we're doing picks here. We are. We're doing picks. I love the analogy before we recorded. it. It's like
1: an abundance of Halloween candy. It's too many to pick just one. I mean, your kids come home with dozens of pounds of candy, and you're just like, which one's the best? Which one do I want? And it's hard.
0: The kids so, lay out the candy, uh-huh. and then they do trades and then I teach them about taxation and how what you think is all yours is not all yours. So it's a great life lesson. It is. You know, always educating my children. Yeah. Hey, that fits what we think is
1: always ours is not always ours, even, you know, in our own lives and leadership, too. So
0: a lesson to uh-huh. if that one's free, folks. The rest of them, we are going to intro a little better than that. Uh, but it is great to be together in person. And again, for two episodes, we are taking our highlights, our, some of our favorite guests with some of our favorite sound bites that we think are really nourishing to you guys. But one or two of these episodes you're going to need to go back and listen to. And it is hard to choose. Um, but each year, this is one of our favorite things to do because I'm just so grateful for guests. I'm so grateful for our listeners going back and thinking through the year. So This is a little bit of a walked out memory lane for us. But if one of these topics, one of these leaders who speaks through this podcast for a couple minutes here is on point with what you're thinking, please go back. We reference each of the episodes. So here we go. My first pick was Erwin McBanus. Now, this is episode 379. This was a special episode for multiple reasons. Arquandus has been a guidepost in my life, and he is leading strong. He's in his mid-60s now. For 30 years, he's been an entrepreneur. And a pastor, in short, this guy is going to finish his life straw. He feels like in many ways, he's just getting started. And, and this was actually my favorite of all of his books. I've read several of his books. And he talks in his book, Mindship, about these necessary shifts that if, if we don't make them, they're actually going to hold us back. And Peter, when you're held back, when I'm held back, we are holding other people back around us. It was a liberating book. I felt like he put some of his best stuff in there. So not only listen to. The episode, but listen to this book. Whether it's Audible, read through that over the holidays. I think it's a great read. There's a lot packed in there. He also came into our effective leader cohort, so he had the opportunity in community to experience this and talk through it later. So Erwin McManus, episode 379.
2: Here you go. Um, well, I I think it depends on each person. By by the way, I, I want to say even because you you highlighted the word painful. And I just want to be so clear. My book isn't about pain, (laughs) you know? And uh, I think life is full of pain and life has suffering and life comes at you hard. One of the things I even like try to remind my adult kids is that, um, you know, life isn't interrupted. The interruptions are life, (laughs) you know? And and that's just a reality. But I think the 12 principles in the book, the 12 mind shifts, There isn't a priority of importance. There's a priority of relevance to where you are right now in your life. And that's one of the reasons I really like this book, is that you may be at a place right now where chapter three is more important than chapter one, but you may also find yourself later where chapter one is more important than chapter three. You may find yourself in recurring transitional experiences where chapter two becomes the most important chapter. And, and, you know, and, and so there are different chapters, like you are your own ceiling and, um, no one knows what they're doing that if you're an entrepreneur and if you're a business person, and if you're trying to scale your company or your life, those two chapters, um, they're, they're like ticking time bombs. If you don't figure those things out, they're going to become self-destructive. So different chapters, I think have different significance at different times in our lives, um for a lot of people who are highly talented, like when they have the curse of talent, you know, I, I was I was given the gift of no identifiable talent. And so it allowed me to develop other kinds of skills and structures. But there are a lot of people I know who have the, the curse of, of high talent at an early age. And because of that, that talent did not force them into developing internal structures for success. And when you have high talent, people create external structures to make sure that they optimize your success or your talent for their benefit. And so like when you're an athlete or if you're like a musician or if you're great at math, people will actually build external structures to extricate your talent. And then when that talent is no longer needed or um, matches the, the scale of expectation, They'll walk away and then you find yourself without any internal structures for success. And so the the chapter that's called Talent is a Hallucinogen is, I think, one of the most important talents, uh, most important chapters for this generation. Because it's not that it's a more talented generation, but it is a generation that has a higher perception of their own talent. And because of the mythology of talent, we see people expressing greatness without hard work. So you see Tiger Woods is a great golfer. Michael Jordan was a great basketballer. Or, Ty- or Seth Curry can hit threes. And, and so everyone kind of thinks, oh, look how easy it is because greatness always makes the hard look easy. And so we end up with this mythology that um, if I'm born with some inherent talent, it shouldn't take hard work. It shouldn't take discipline. It shouldn't take suffering or sacrifice. And so we have a generational I think, um, dilemma, um, around a misunderstanding of how talent actually, uh, manifests itself into greatness. And so the, the, the chapter on talent being a hallucinogen is a really important cultural conversation. All right,
1: Jonathan, what's your first pick? Hal Elrod came on the podcast episode 383, and if you haven't heard of him, um, he's got a wild story. He's overcome so much. And he's he's a younger guy. I mean, it's, you know, a horrific accident. Don't want to give it all away. Horrific accident. He's had so many challenges thrown his way, but he landed on the concept of the magic morning and the importance of how we begin our day. There's things that we all want to do, things that we all want to accomplish, you know, all of the things that are near and dear to our heart. And he really dug into, you know, if you want to be pro uh, productive, you want to be more proactive and you want to do the things that you've been called to do, it begins in the single most ordinary of moments, which is how you begin your day and the power behind it and how your days can turn to weeks and months and years and to move from where you are to where you want to go. So I love this episode. It's probably, I mean, it's obviously my top five of the year, but I would say it's top two for me. So you guys enjoy this episode 383 and uh, this clip with our guest Hal Elrod. The,
3: how you start your day, Maybe the most important decision you make in terms of what you optimize. And here's why is because how you start your day sets the tone, the context, and the direction for the rest of your day. And if you have a mediocre morning where you're waking up at the last minute and you're resisting having to get out of bed and you're reactive versus proactive, you're setting yourself up for a mediocre day and a mediocre life. Now, I'm not saying this is the only way by any means. Somebody could wake up at the last minute and still create a successful life. In fact, before I was a morning person, I had a pretty successful life, you know, Um, But it was that next level. And and, and here's the way to think about it, or another way to think about it is starting your day, what the Miracle Morning enables you to do is starting your day in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state so that you are at your best to show up for those you love, those you lead, and for yourself. Not to mention, the Miracle Morning is designed, it's really a personal development ritual so that you can become a better version of who you were when you went to bed the night before. And I believe that this Jim Rohn quote kind of gave birth to the Miracle Morning. I think it's such a true statement. Your level of success and fulfillment in virtually every area of your life will rarely exceed your level of personal development. So if you want level 10 success, however you define that in your marriage and your health and your spirituality and your finances, your business, the impact you make in the world, the secret is to become the level 10 version of yourself through daily disciplined, focused, intentional, personal development. So you are capable of creating and sustaining the levels of success that you want in every area of your life. And that's the essence of the miracle morning. All right, man, what you got for us next?
0: I love this conversation with Jamie Shapiro. So Dr. Jamie Shapiro, uh, she is really doing some similar stuff uh, that I'm doing around coaching, but she comes from a completely different background and really comes out of her story She burned out and she wanted to reverse engineer. How did this happen? How could I avoid this happening again? And how do I help other people think through this? I love some of the language that she uses. She has this great term, full body leadership. And she's basically acknowledging, we've just sort of gone straight to the cranium of leaders, but we really haven't allowed them to pay attention to their body, which obviously leads to exhaustion. And many times I watch leaders who are so exhausted and this tired body is trying to carry around a mind that's going to produce great things. That's just not how it works. So I actually read her book this year uh, called Brilliance, Be the Leader Who Shines Brightly Without Burning Out. If you're getting close to that line of burnout and it is during the holidays, having a little more space to be able to read, I encourage you to pick up her book, but listen through the full podcast episode. This is episode 374. I love how she talks about vitality and energy as they relate to burnout. Because friends, we don't want you to burn out. We actually want the opposite for you. And Dr. Jamie Shapiro has that same desire. So burnout, we talk tons about burnout here. I know it's kind of the negative side. Um, And then of course, where we want leaders leading from is healthy, wholehearted, um, full body, the way that you're talking about it. What are some antidotes to burnout?
4: Yeah. And and the way that I look at burnout and think about burnout is maybe a little more simple than some of the literature around burnout. But I think about vitality as an abundance of physical, psychological and emotional vitality, energy. Um, And then I think about burnout as the opposite. So I kind of look at them opposite ends of the spectrum and think about like if vitality is over on one side and it's the drain of all or the abundance of all of that, then burnout's on the other side and it's the drain of all of those things. So what I've shown in my research is when we care for those nine dimensions that I was sharing those pathways of well-being, what it does is it enhances that energy available to self. So when I think about the antecedents or the antidote to burn like the antecedents to vitality and the antidote to burnout I think about it and use my research as validation for that those nine pathways are our way to focus on an abundance of vitality and so thinking about that in like hey we don't need to focus on them all at once because if you focus on them All at once, right? Like, that's not how we change as human beings. It's one small step at a time. So, I encourage people to think about those nine pathways and ask themselves the question what's the small step that's right in front of me that I can step into today and really focus on that as my first step into being vital and then Mm. expand my capacity?
0: Yeah, I'm curious of those nine pathways. Are there a few of those that you feel like um, we tend to ignore?
4: Yeah, um, yes. I think we tend to ignore a lot of those pathways and not recognize recognize the connection to how that enhances us. So the one that I would say I think is ignored the most, that I think is one of the most powerful, is mindset and recognizing that we are masters of our mind. Uh, meaning we are in control. That's the greatest gift that being a psychologist has given to me is the recognition that wow, I can actually change my brain, right? We have this wonderful thing in our brain, which is it can change. And so if we focus on our mindset and we focus on the thoughts we want to give energy to, what we see is we literally change the thoughts we're having. Um, And so to me, mindset is probably the thing. If we focused on more, we could enhance Um, and really change how much well-being we have. So that's probably one. And the other one I would say is positive emotion. We don't focus enough on, and obviously these two things are related, right? But if we're changing the way we're thinking, we're going to have more access to some of those positive emotions like gratitude and joy. And to me, those are two that we often don't talk about in the space of well-being enough and focus on enough.
1: All right, man. What's your next pick? Dan Rockwell came by the podcast and back on episode 376. And he talks about four selves. It's really powerful. When you think about it, we all try to be more aware or reflective. Then there's deception and sabotage. And really the point he drove home is how we can get in our own way. And, you know, there's not just one. I know personally, I dug really hard into becoming self-aware so much to the point where it hindered my reflective abilities and, it will it put blinders on to where I was so aware of myself. I couldn't really, I wasn't balanced or rhythmic in my own life and leadership. And so there's the importance and how we look and understand both of them and sort of how we can get in our own way and how the idea we've talked about it before and things that we do, you know, clients that we work with, they can become so close to what they do that they, they don't see the bigger picture. Um, so guys, I really enjoyed this one. Go back and listen to the full episode. It's episode 376 with Dan Rockwell on the four selves, awareness, reflection,
5: deception, and sabotage. I think noticing yourself with honesty would be a, a way to approach it. Um, I, I don't want it to be too mystical, too like uh, meditative, too, too spiritual sounding, but um, I'll speak for myself again. Uh, I spent a lot of my life not even noticing myself because I was so consumed with what I was doing and I wanted to get this done and I want to achieve and I wanted to make a mark and I wanted to succeed. and I want to take care of my family. And and so you get up in the morning and you don't even notice. And by the way, Alan, I'll give you a tip on this. For somebody, uh, many leaders are doers. I mean, they want to get stuff done and if you can schedule your day with a few scattered moments where you can take time to think about what you just did and think about what you're going to do next that changes your whole day because if you don't it's like you end the day and what happened you just you just went from one thing to the next thing you didn't notice yourself you didn't notice your environment and and uh, for example, for me, before meetings, before this call, I take three minutes. I quiet my heart. I close my eyes. I take some breaths. I think about who I'm going to talk to next. And I had listened to your podcast. I had an idea about what was important to you. I think about how I want to show up. I think about what I'm. I, I think about what I respect about the people I'm going to talk to. Just for three minutes, and then off we go. That's a time for me to become aware of who I am, how I want to show up, how I want to deliver value. Mm,
0: I love that. An ability to notice yourself honestly. So the the converse, what if we don't? What if we don't notice ourselves? Uh, what if we don't do it honestly? What are the common ways that that hurts leaders and those around us? Yeah, that,
5: that's uh, persistent self-defeating behaviors. Uh the problem with lack of self-awareness is we don't know how other people are perceiving us. And so then uh, I, my favorite thing to, to talk about here is, uh, you know, I receive feedback that uh, I can be pushy. Uh, I'm, I'm a soft teddy bear. I'm not pushy. So I would push that away, push that away. That was uncomfortable. Uh, my daughter said, I think you like to scare people. I don't like to scare people, right? A woman on my team, I was seeking feedback, very intentionally seeking feedback. In in other words, I was asking specific questions, not just needy, how am I doing? You know, do you like me? Do you like me? I was asking specific questions. She said, you can be pushy. I couldn't quite understand it. I said, could you help me? And she said, I can't really think of exactly when, but I, I just, you know, that's my feedback. And so two weeks later, I'm having a conversation with a person, She is in my peripheral vision, and she's going with her eyes, and her eyebrows are up, and she's nodding her head, and she's like, and I knew instantly what she looked like. Mm -hmm. I had never seen it, you know, because I think it's, you know, way more aggressive than I was acting. All right, man, we've got one more.
0: How are you going to bring it home? This episode was special. So Gordon McDonald is a sage in many leaders' lives. This guy is so sharp, and he's over 80. and He has left a wake behind him of impact and of faithfulness, but he has had life like every leader. He's had some deep challenges, and he goes kind of right up to the edge of sharing about a season in his life, which is about half of his life ago in his 40s, uh, where he was so disoriented, And he traces it back to not having good friendships. That was the beginning of a place where he started to say, well, leaders need friends. And the kind of weight that we bear, the kind of conversations that we have on a regular basis, we just need friends. Now, this actually grew out of the context of friendship. One of my coaching clients, his name is Chris Geppner. He's an amazing pastor and leader. And she gathers lots of leaders in the Northeast has become a friend with Gordon. And so it was in Gordon's living room. They're sitting together. There's laughing. There's relationship. And Gordon brings it back to this idea of friendship, that mentorship is not a program. It's a relationship. And I love that he's not just saying that, but he's modeling that. You can see it. I would encourage you to watch the video. So you can grab the video, even if you're just in iTunes, the whole episode, 367, Gordon McDonald, is a sage and to be able to capture this relationship was beautiful it's a bit of a bonus episode it's longer and so whether over the holidays you just have some time to go outside and walk a little bit or to sit this is a very grounding episode especially if you're in ministry i encourage you to listen to this this is episode 367 with gordon mcdonald chris kepler
6: well i really believe that chris you know that um most people who enter into mentoring or small group relationships see it and treat it as a program. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day it hit me, this is not a program. This is a part of the core of theology. When you, when you accept Jesus and you're going to walk with Jesus for your lifetime, you don't walk alone. You pick some people that he puts in your pathway, and you walk together. And uh, if I may put it this way, there's a magic to it and you see in each other qualities and you learn things and uh, you do things because you're in linkage with some other people. And it's not just come to a program, but it's it's uh, enlarging your theology with two or four or five gathered together. It probably can't be more than five people. but uh, And Jesus says where two or three are gathered together, I'll be in the midst of them. There, there's something going on there. that is not just a program. It, it's uh, something deeper. When our group was together for its annual meeting about a month ago, you, you missed that because of...
7: No, I was there. Uh,
6: you were there? I was there. Oh, yeah, you were sitting over there. Yeah. But one of the things I told the guys, and I'm not sure whether all of them see the significance I do, but our our group is not, uh, is not a Bible study although we may open the Bible and read it to one another. Um, it's not a program. I think we're building a friendship. And I love that word in this case, that we we are friends, as a friendship is defined by the presence of Christ. And I think that's one of the reasons that small groups often struggle. They, they try to pack too much into it. I'm very content if I watch our guys get together and just loving each other, and somebody talks about a difficulty with a child, or a spouse is ill, or there's something going on in the church, and it's wonderful to watch these friends leap into connection with that person, and uh, in, in effect say, "I'm, not, I've got your back."
0: That's beautiful. I mean, we could that could be a whole another episode for two hours on, on spiritual friendship and the theology of friendship, Chris. You gather leaders together and have a bit of a network there in New England, essentially based around spiritual friendship. Talk about why that's so powerful.
7: Well, I've experienced it. Um, and Gordon has modeled it. And therefore, I want to carry that. Um, it's similar. But you've done with us, I said, you know, I want to do with some others that aren't in this space. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I, I think, well, the statistics are out there. Pastors are lonely. I think another one just came out yesterday. That uh, it's talked specifically about pastors and friendships, where uh, it's like 60% of all Christian pastors say they do not have a friend. I think it's 60%. Like you can fact check me on that one, but um, I see the value of it because I've experienced it and how Gordon, he's a friend, but he also convenes friendship, right? And um because it's in his theology, it's like in his decor belief and his help kind of convene that. And now I have a group of guys, I call it refresh guys. Shout out to the refresh guys. Um, that that's a that's a fruit of, of your ministry. Isn't that cool? How it like you were you were talking about 19 in the 70s, god you got started praying. Now there are men and women have raised up, and that just continues to reproduce more ministry. Um, and so friendship is crucial, man. You can't do this alone. It's key. You've got you gotta others around you.
6: I don't feel that I, like I had a friend mm. before the age of 42. I knew a lot of people, and I had lunch and breakfasts day after day with wonderful men that I thoroughly enjoyed, but, but they didn't know my heart, and I didn't know theirs. Mm. Somehow there was a stop line, we'll, we'll go this far, and and from there on, it's it's blank. And then in my early 40s, I came through a year where I just crashed. And it could have been the end of any kind of ministry life whatsoever. But in that period of time, the Lord gave me some time to reevaluate life, where Gil and I were going. And, and one of the quick decisions we made is we need friends. We need some people that you regularly get together with you talk about silly things or deep things, but you know that on a periodic basis, you're going to be together. So I set out, I set out to find five close friends, and it took about three years to, to meet the sort of guys that would like to enter into that engagement. And I've had those friends all the way up to recently. Now you know what's happening? They're dying. Mm-hmm. They're dying, or, or they're going to Florida, one of the two <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, friends, that's all we got for this episode. We teased you a little bit about next year, but on this next episode, we're going to give you some specifics of actually what we are doing. You're going to see some upgrades here on this podcast. You're going to hear some upgrades over here. So just hold on. Please join us for our next five. This has been a solid highlight reel, Jonathan. We got more.
1: It has been a solid five, but I'm excited for the next round. So you guys, this has been fun. We'll see you right here on one more episode for 2023 of the State Board Leadership Podcast.